and on the podcast this month I look at some of the news stories for the week me and Joe catch up about this month's magazine and our webinar on learning transfer and Joe talks to Cara North and Bethany Taylor about the recent TLDC UK meetup hi everybody John Cannot here editor of TJ magazine welcome to the TJ podcast TJ is the only magazine dedicated to L&D in the UK and this is the July edition of the podcast. A bit later on, you'll be hearing from Joe Cook, of course. Also, in our guest interview, she talks to Cara North and Bethany Taylor about the recent TLDC meetup. But first, let's have a quick look at some news stories. From the TJ News Flash on the 12th of July, here are the stories that we covered. Major misconceptions about e-learning from ATD Blogs. The biggest secret to hiring, brackets, is not what you think from Inc. When algorithms go to war in the workplace from FT.com. How to mentor someone who doesn't know what their career goals should be from Harvard Business Review. And a little bit of a diversion from L&D here. There, apparently there are tantalising hints of life-supporting features on this nearby exoplanet. Isn't that great news? But I'm just going to focus on the first two. So the first one is from ATD Blogs and this is a piece from Tim Slade and it's about major misconceptions around e-learning. First one, e-learning replaces the classroom. The second one, e-learning must be interactive to be effective. And the third one, people hate e-learning. I don't know if anyone caught the recent research from Good Practice, but we know that that isn't true and people do like e-learning. In fact, the tune is something like 80% of people from their survey said it was their favourite form of learning. But it's a really good piece, well worth checking out ATD blogs. It turns people's misconceptions upside down a little bit. I think there's still a bit of a divide between uh, classroom training and e-learning, or even however many years later since the term was introduced. And uh, it, it just goes to show that it's worth questioning your own preconceptions about something like e-learning, however long it's been around. The next piece we're going to look at is, and this is a very welcome piece uh, for people working in L&D, the biggest secret to hiring, it's not what you think. This is a piece from Inc. And apparently... And I'm sure all people working in uh, the training industry are going to love to hear this, that the biggest secret to hiring or getting what you want from people is not to hire people with all the skills you need, but to hire people who you can train and you can mould to be the best for your company. So this is a piece by Lee Buchanan, who's uh, editor-at-large of uh, Inc. magazine. And the main gist of the piece is that, you know, the labour market is very tight these days. I, I'm struggling not to say the phrase war on talent, but the idea is that there aren't enough people with the right skills to go around for hiring in. So why don't you just hire them once you've employed them? A revolutionary idea, I'm sure. But it feels like we're almost verging into apprenticeship territory, weirdly enough, albeit by a different name, where you hire people who want to learn, maybe don't have the right skills, can train on the job, and you can mould them into the right people for your business to take them forward. So have a good read of that, and you can see the two links beneath for those two stories that I just covered. Right, that was short and sweet. I think I hear a familiar voice. So on to this month's magazine and let's welcome back our regular podcast co-host, Joe Cook. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you. Gosh, it is warm in the UK at the moment and we're enjoying stroke coping with the sun. Yeah, it really is. Uh, my office is on the top floor and um, all I can say is that anyone who's got shares in office fans and companies that make them uh, it's probably doing really well right now. So we're going to talk about the magazine, and this month the uh, subjects are team working, learning transfer, and resilience. Our spotlight interview is with Liggy Webb, friend of TJ and resilience expert. Uh, Don Taylor talks about the importance of managers in the learning transfer process. And Joe, what did you look at this month? 
I looked at learning transfer as well because it's such an important thing. And actually, that's what we did our webinar on this month as well. And I looked a little bit more at some of the elements of research and what that means to us when we're designing and delivering our learners. So uh, kind of complementary, different tack to, to what Don took. So, John, what is it you're picking out from the magazine that you really liked? Well, it's just a really well-rounded issue on three very important topics. But the one that I went for is something that we also published in the magazine, which is from Laura Boutel, who is uh, Managing Director of Quarterdeck. And it was called Embracing the Knockbacks. Uh, the, the image on the front of, uh, sorry, the image at the top of the article, rather, uh, is, is a kind of a Weeble character. I don't know how many people are going to remember those, but I vaguely do from being very young. But it's, um, what I really liked about it is it's a really, really different way of looking at resilience and almost not fatalistic as such, but it, the, the, the key point about the article is that resilience isn't, is not something we should ignore. Uh, getting knocked down is not something we should be afraid of. It's something that we should embrace because that is the way that we're going to uh, make ourselves stronger and uh, recover from things. She has a couple of nice quotes in the article, one from, uh, you know, Helmuth von Moltke, the elder, who we all know and love, of course, um, I'm kidding, uh, chief of staff of the Prussian army in the 19th century who said no plan survives contact with the enemy so you can what you're saying there is you can plan all you like for resilience tactics and everything like that but quite often you find yourself in a in a stressful situation and all that goes out the window but then uh, she also provides a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt who says no one can make you feel inferior without your consent which is a quote that I really really like and it's about uh, self-empowerment essentially and so I just thought it was a, a brilliant article and a different look at resilience from uh, other things that I've seen. Yeah, I really like that article as well, John. And there was a great kind of little uh, pullout, as we call it, of a little box out where we have some things to take away. And the last point that she makes is don't avoid failure. Embrace it. Well, the right type of failure. It can only make you stronger. And, and elements like that, you know, so many people, it, me included, will often look at something and go, oh, fail it's awful and and it's turning that around and going okay that didn't work what was the benefit what was the bonus what did I learn how can I do it better next time and, and that reflection piece that goes with that too yeah absolutely Joe what did you uh, what did you pull out of uh, this month's magazine what really caught your fancy this month I'm going to go back to the learning transfer I know Don wrote about it I wrote about it but it's such a a challenging issue and it's such an important issue and I really liked what Paul Matthews wrote I, I think it's taken from the draft of his book that he's putting together this year and we also talk about it a little bit in the podcast interview that I did with um, Paul but part of it is is that the corporate training market is really huge and various studies are saying that only between 10 and 30 percent of learning from a training course is transferred into the workflow so does that mean 70% of the training that we deliver across our industry is not up to scratch? And also the other point that I picked out of this that I really liked is that the research on learning transfer goes back over 100 years. And it reminds me of research about things like spaced repetition. And if you don't know anything about that, go and do a search for spaced repetition and Donald Clark. He's got some great blogs on it. Because this is stuff that's been researched again and again and again and proven to be correct, and yet we don't always embrace it. So it's more about, well, how can we design our training and our learning interventions better to make sure that we're getting what out of these what we need to? Yeah, I mean, I said in my 
editor's uh, intro that it was the gold dust of L&D, really. Um, I think that got edited down to me saying it was the gold of L&D, which um, isn't quite what I, I meant, but it is that uh, it's what everyone's after. And it is, you know, decades later, it's still something that is a real, real big challenge. But uh, yeah, definitely read up on Donald Clark's space to, things about space practice, because uh, when I first heard about that, that was something that really stuck with me along with, um, you know, it, it sort of ties in, I guess, to the Ebbinghaus forgetting curve quite nicely, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so elsewhere in the magazine, uh, Paul Matthews links learning transfer and performance improvement. We'd already mentioned him. Uh, Samantha Kane gives us seven ways to stop employee burnout, which is something that's even more important than ever before. Um, Richard McPike says it's all about behavioural training for resilience. And there's loads, loads more, of course. And also don't forget, John, that we are the only monthly dedicated magazine to learning and development in the UK. So what do people have to do if they want to subscribe to the magazine? Well, Joe, I'm glad you asked. Trainingjournal.com is the destination not only for industry blogs, features, discussion webinars and white papers, but also our subscriptions. You can subscribe to the printed magazine or a digital only version, which is a bit cheaper and you get access to the digital magazine three months before it's unlocked for everyone. And if you find one of us at an event in the near future, we'll be giving out liberally cards to give you a free free month subscription to the digital magazine so you can try it before you take it up, which is going to be great for everybody. That is really exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to being mobbed and being able to give those out. So next we come to the TJ webinars. Joe, how was our webinar this week on learning transfer? Oh, so interesting. People are, people are probably going to get bored with me talking about learning transfer or, or more likely, I hope not. Uh, I think it was a really good conversation. We had Emma Weber from Australia. We had Paul Matthews, and uh, from, who is originally a Kiwi, but is living in the UK. And we had uh, Dr. Ina, and I can't remember how to pronounce her last name unless I read it properly. Um, and she was from Austria. And all three of them really experts in their field written books and got great websites and do their work around learning transfer and effectiveness. So some really great tips about how to do that from a design point of view, and then also about how to tackle the culture and stuff like that. And as with all of our training journal webinars, I hesitate to call them webinars because they're more like live video discussions. Um, the conversation really went with where the group did. So the questions that came through from the attendees live I thought were really insightful about the topics. You attended it too and were doing the tweeting on hash TJ Wow. What were your thoughts about the live discussion? I mean, it was brilliant as always. And uh, you mentioned it there that they're not like webinars that uh, you see elsewhere. And I used to do a lot in a previous job and they were very much more uh, a one-way experience for everybody. But this is really a two-way thing. And as like you said, can be completely led by uh, the attendees. So it was just brilliant to see to kind of initiate the conversation and then just to see where it uh, it took the speakers and um and it, it was just great and we've got the recording up on uh, the website now so do go check it out what have we got coming up though on the 14th of august the topic is all about understanding business 
And we've got two amazing speakers for that. Not only do we have Owen Ferguson from Good Practice, who who people will know from the Good Practice podcast, really loves his data, really loves reports and research and looking at things from that point of view and has a great business head, obviously, from his role. But also we have RJ Pangakapur, who is coming on. He's a Canadian, used to be uh, in the accountancy field, still teaches that, but focuses on learning and development from a business perspective. So that's going to be a really fascinating one because in L&D, it's all about focusing on the business needs is what I think. So it will be interesting to see what people find in in the live discussion again. What questions are they going to ask? What focus is there going to be for the speakers and what can we value can we get from them? Yeah, indeed. I mean, it's, it's not, uh, we, I've already said this, but it's not like your normal webinar. And it's almost the focus is more on the word discussion than it is webinar, you know. Uh, you've got experts, experts, you've got experts who are uh, who are brought in to give different points of view. But really, we've got, you know, dozens and dozens of people who've, who, who can bring their insight to the conversation as well, either through the chat pane, through the back channel on Twitter, um, uh, or, or just or just actually asking questions to the people that have been chosen to uh, co-host it with you. So that's really looking forward to that one. Moving on to September, we're talking about coaching and mentoring. Yeah, and really looking forward to this. We have Summa Ramachandran coming uh, to this session. And Sundar is absolutely brilliant in terms of technology, leadership, systems. His team actually won a an award at the TJ Awards last year. So really looking forward to getting Sundar's thoughts about coaching and mentoring. And then to round out the rest of the year, we've got customer experience in October, uh, marketing L&D, which I think actually is something that we could do a lot better at. Well, ironically, you and I were talking about that just this morning, weren't we? <laughs> we were. We've got some very exciting plans, actually, for the TJ Wow webinars, which um, you'll no doubt be seeing very, very soon. Uh, and then in December, we've got Learning to Learn, which is um, which is a rather meta way to finish off the year, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of nice reflection on the year and get us ready for 2019. Gosh. Yeah. I don't think we'll be seeing too many uh, flying cars and dystopias out the window. Well, maybe maybe. Maybe more of the latter than the former, but um, but yeah, time is moving on, isn't it? Absolutely. So, what is going on in in our topics next month, John? Well, we've already mentioned it, but uh, yes, understanding business is one of our three topics for August. Uh, we've also got organisational development, and last but not least, a huge topic for many many people people analytics and big data. So, kind of a lot to look forward to in the next issue. Yeah, and I think that that people analytics and big data can put people off that word big. I was listening to a podcast with Laurie Niles Hoffman, who now works at Fuse, and she talks about digital body language. And that's something I've picked up on her work, which is excellent. But one of the things I picked out from this podcast is she was saying, I don't use any big clever tools. I just get it into Excel and just have a look at the data. It's that kind of simple is where I start. So I think that's something that maybe we can highlight to people. And that's, again, what we were doing this morning is nothing big and clever. And believe me, I had to Google most of my stuff I did in Excel this morning. But we actually just had a little bit of data and we were able to analyze it and make some interesting discoveries. So if you then scale that up to what we're covering next issue, I'm really looking forward to that. That's learning at the point of need there, Joe, with uh, with Google and Excel. But definitely, uh, big data is something that needs to be further demystified, I think, and um, and can can be needlessly confusing when actually it's it's very very useful and very important still. Yeah, and it actually links in with the understanding business topic as well because the the data and the analytics and the people and the analysis and the use of all of that it just goes hand in hand for me. 
definitely. Hi TJers, it's Jo here and I've just been to an event last night, actually I helped to organise it and it was for the TLDC UK which is the Training, Learning and Development Community and if you go to tldc.us you can go and find out a bit more about them but we had a UK event that was co-organised with Cara North and Bethany Taylor and they've both joined me for a little podcast to talk about the whole idea of the personal learning network, of communities and the importance of getting together, networking and chatting to each other. So first of all, Bethany, tell us a little bit about you. Who are you? What are you interested in? And where can we find you on Twitter? Hello, I am Bethany Taylor. I work as an instructional designer for Ecom Scotland um, and we do bespoke e-learning um, development for clients as well as a range of other things. And uh, I can be found at Ecom with a small e, big C, underscore Bethany with a small, with a big B. <laughs> we'll put it in the notes. <laughs> um, so I can be found there. And what I'm interested in is a lot of things, but I uh, have a background in um, anthropology. So me is the study of people, how we work, how we interact in culture. Um, and I quite like, obviously, being a part of kind of learning. So I like to extend that into learning culture, if I can. Thank you. Now, you've got an American accent, but... Yeah, so I do live in Scotland. I've been here for um, just over five years, so ha. Um, <laughs> I have, but I am originally from Portland, Oregon, so, you know, I still represent the States, kind of. <laughs> Thank you very much, Bethany. And also, we have Cara North. Cara, tell us, who are you? What do you do? Where can we find you on the Twitter? Hi, I'm Kara North. I am an instructional designer at The Ohio State University in the United States of America. I can be found on Twitter at Kara North, and that's C-A-R-A, North, N-O-R-T-H, like the direction, and then the number 1111. I have been in learning development. This is my 10th year, so I feel like a senior citizen, but it's all good. And you're only as old as you feel, right? And I uh, have been in um, both corporate and higher education. I have this even split right now. So five years in corporate, five years in higher ed. My corporate experience was mostly at amazon.com as an instructional designer and all my higher ed has been at the Ohio State University. And I'm very interested in figuring out how to better prepare instructional design students for the workplace. And I know we had a conversation earlier today, Bethany and I, with Donald Taylor, which was incredible. And I told him about this problem that there's so many students that actually go to graduate school for instructional design now, but there's not a big push a lot of times for them to build something. You can graduate with a graduate degree in instructional design and not have a portfolio. And I think that that is not doing a good service to these students. So I'm very interested in figuring out how to figure that out. And in my spare time, I'm also a PhD student in learning technologies at the Ohio State University. Targeted graduation date 2020, I'll be Dr. North. My God, I feel exhausted just listening to all of that. Um, so, so the event that we put on last night was with the TLDC and it brought together a whole load of different people. Lots of people that um, our listeners will know. So there was James McClucky from Good Practice because they actually sponsored the event, which was lovely. There was Marco Ficini. There was Wesley Atkinson. There was Leslie Price. Who am I forgetting? We had Julian Stodd. Of course. We had Tom Hickmore from Nice Media. Oh, Julian Stodd from Sea Salt Learning. Sorry to forget 
we've had we had uh, Jan Yelis van Dielsen, and I yes. might have said that wrong. No, but I think you got it right. From a new spring. Um, we had Anthony, John Kennard. Yeah, John oh. Kennard representing TJ. TJ, who are they? Uh-huh. <laughs> we also had a lot of great guests. We had Anthony Williams from Costa. Um, we had a couple of guests from Friends of the Earth. Um, so, I mean, we kind of co- conquered all corporate training all the way to third sector learning yeah. and development. It was a amazing mix of people and uh, information and perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the cool things. A lot of names we already know, but also loads of people, some of which who were completely new to the yeah. industry. Yeah. Uh, so third sector, like you say, or kind of the education sector and who would come along literally it was like a friend of a friend said I should come to this kind of event. So I'm here. I don't know what's going on. Uh, and that was awesome. So why is it important to go to some kind of networking event and that could be virtual it could be online it could be a linkedin group or whatever so why is it important to do that um i think gosh it's been um absolutely instrumental in my growth in instructional design um if you think about the amount of time that i've been doing it's not been very long um but i've been able to go really exponentially and a lot of that has to do with being involved in um, personal learning networks and outside of the buzzword that it's kind of become, it has been so instrumental in being able to open my eyes to new um, perspectives, new thoughts of in ways of doing things, um, sparks of creativity, um, pushing for further discussion or further kind of study for myself. It's just been, I mean, truly what has kind of catapulted me in this career. Mm. And I've loved it and I want to share that experience. That's really lovely and actually chatting to Anthony William Trump Costa last night and he was saying you know how did he do his job 10 years ago 15 years ago when we didn't have the internet and the networking that we've got now so so a lot of the networking that we've got yes we can go to face-to-face face-to-face events like we did last night but so much of it is actually online digital through kind of different platforms and networks how do we do that kind of thing? Great question. And I, one thing that I wish I would have done earlier in my career is take advantage of these networks. I, in the beginning of my career, I lived under a rock and I kind of kept to myself and kept interactions like within the teams that I worked on. And when I moved to a different environment in higher ed, I found that I was on an island by myself going from a a huge team to a team of very few folks. And I thought there's got to be something out there that I could get involved with and learn by and being able to engage people on Twitter. And I did not have a Twitter until two and a half years ago. And so if you are out there and you're listening to this and you're thinking, I don't have time for a Twitter, I don't want to do a Twitter, it'll change your life. And I really do mean that. And I really thank Mike Taylor for pushing me to get that and listening to him and him sharing his experiences. But what's interesting about it is people often say when they have their when they use Twitter, that they find knowledge in it. And I've been doing some research into that. And knowledge is kind of a blanket term that can mean a lot of different things. So based on some of the reviews of literature that I've done, I've kind of made four buckets for it. So the first bucket is 
a new skill. So you want to learn how to do something new that maybe you don't know about, you'll go to Twitter and ask for advice. Second bucket would be something that you already know how to do, you're kind of skilled in it, but you just need some assistance with it, so upskilling. The third would be social capital. So building your network, building your brand, getting to know more people in your field or maybe outside your field that could help change your perspectives or add value. And the fourth is curation. So being able to go through all of the content that's out there and being able to funnel it and find value in some of the content out there, that is a skill on itself, something that takes a little bit of time to master. But being able to go through that and figure that out, it's amazing to me that it's not just you anymore. Like you actually can use the brain power of others to be better and there's something yes there's something so powerful about that like why would you just want to limit yourself to your own brain why would you not want to throw out and and get more information from others so i just getting started with that has really really changed my career and my perspectives on a lot of things that i've done recently I really like that because there's so much that you can go out there and and pick up and learn and dip into those different conversations or Twitter chats and uh, and you can do this on on different platforms as well. There's all sorts of different platforms. Yeah. You know, there's LinkedIn, there's Slack. There's all sorts of communities everywhere that you can kind of jump in and join. So at the event last night, you were talking about social media, Cara. And one of the people I was speaking to afterwards said that you'd really kind of inspired her to have a think about going onto Twitter, and and you'd shared a lot of stuff. And she was just having that conversation of, you know, how do I get involved? What, you know, why do I do it? Just those real first steps. So let's say somebody either doesn't have a Twitter account, um, or or they've signed up but they kind of don't follow anyone. They don't really get it. What what's the very first step that they can think about to see this magical world that you're talking about? The first step for for me that I would advise them on is to pick what kind of organizations or what kind of topics are important to them. So in the United States, I think also here, um, Association for Talent Development, ATD, is very popular. And that's a association that I'm also a part of. I advise people go to the ATD website and you will see that there's a lot of blog posts and people will be posting things, sharing them on social media. Those people that are sharing that and commenting, those people are usually pretty engaged in the field. So start with those folks, follow them, and see if they kind of go with information, share information that is relative to you. That's a great first step. If you have nowhere else to go, just start with those organizations that are important to your career. The second tip that I have is just start by linking it to your phone. I know that sounds a little bit silly, but linking it to your phone, seeing if, especially if you have a lot of colleagues in your phone, people that you've known throughout the years that are in the space, it will give you recommendations and show you if that person has a Twitter account, if they've used their phone number to verify it. And that's also another great way because a lot of times you don't realize that people like that are on Twitter. If you just have like a professional relationship with them and you're new to it, it's, it's something you don't often think about. So again, feel free to look in those organizations that you are a part of professionally and also the people that you already know but maybe didn't think about in a social media sense. Ah, thank you, Cara. And so, Bethany, you were talking last night a little bit about kind of culture, mm-hmm. and 
a lot of people go to the face-to-face events. That could be a networking event, like we did last yeah. night. It could be uh, like an unconference. It could be a conference or seminars or, or whatever they go to. What are some of the things they can think about in terms of their own development and what do they take back to maybe influence the learning culture around them or just their own learning culture? I think what's really important in a lot of this um, is difference in perspective. So as much as it's great to go into a room full of people that do the thing that you do and learn from them and learn from their experience because that's great, but also it's also really important to learn from people that you might not have originally thought of. So Mm -hmm. kind of like what Kara was saying, um, it's about kind of speaking to people that might have difference in thought process to your normal kind of L&D culture. Mm -hmm. So if you think about any type of community, they're going to have a culture and the L&D profession has it. I mean, you go to any big conference and you see kind of that culture really clashing and not clashing in a bad way, just really kind of, um, let's say, meeting uh, together. Um, And so some of these events can do that. The thing about our event, and I think it was as much as it was full of potentially L&D professionals in a certain sense, there was such a range of of thought processes there. So we have, you know, you look at kind of Julian Stodd, who talks about kind of social leadership and social learning, and he has a lot of really great ideas about kind of changing that learning culture or changing the culture just in general to a little bit more social kind of thought processes within the changing nature of the world we have today. Um, And then you have everything to what even Tom Hickmore was saying about making drama or creating drama in e-learning and not just with video, but just the way of kind of structuring content and structuring your story. And I think it's that kind of range of, of perspective that's really key because it's going to give you those sparks of creativity. And it's certainly done for me. Brilliant. Well, thank you, ladies. It's been awesome working with you. I look forward to doing so again in the future. And uh, thank you very much. Bye. Thank Bye. you. So that's it for this month, everybody. John, thank you very much. Been lovely chatting to you as always. And look forward to seeing you in a magazine, on the website, in the webinars. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, like, and as we mentioned earlier, lots more very, very exciting plans to get the word about the webinars out there. So uh, look out for those. See you next time. The TJ Podcast is hosted by John Kennard and Joe Cook. It's produced and edited by me, John Kennard, with additional production by Joe Cook. Title music is by The Leisure All-Stars featuring Yolanda. TJ is a publishing title owned by Dodds Group PLC.